And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Hold That Podcast podcast, everybody. As always, I am your host, Chris Branch, uh, here with my co-host, Brody Miller. Brody, how are you? I am doing well, man. I am on cloud nine. I mean, we're not going to dive into it right now, but my Bengals are in the Super Bowl. I just just got back from a 12-hour drive from Indiana last night to see my my newborn nephew. I am I am doing well. I I felt better physically, but I am feeling I am doing well, man. How are you? And signing days here. I, it, I think that most people listening to this podcast, even the Saints fans including myself, uh We'll join you in saying our Bengals, Brody. There are Bengals right now. <laughs> See, uh, this is where the the grumpy part of my brain, though, is just like, oh, I finally have a nice thing, and then everyone around me is also taking ownership of it. Like, I can't even just have this. Come on, that's where how my brain little selfish, works. Brody. Sure. Share your lovely team. I would argue LSU's being selfish. You know, you guys have three titles this day, and you got the Saints title, and like, you guys are fine. You don't need this. I don't have anything. I, I don't know why this has to be antagonistic, Brody. This is a community it's, effort. It's half joking, half real. You know. <laughs> Are you like you guys didn't suffer through the slop of two and fourteen? Yeah, with me. and I was like, it. ah, it's our team, and I'm like, you know, you just came. You're just here because your guys are there. You're not there for yeah, two and fourteen. No, you're not there for the seven right. six playoff losses. This is this is like if I was talking to every LSU fan under twenty five and being like. You didn't grow up with with Curly Hallman. You didn't do it. I mean, I there's a part of me that like when I talk to like a, like a young you Red Sox fan. You didn't get a football signed by Jerry Donardo and Lou Tepper <laughs> like I kept in my room forever. I mean, to be fair, there is some validity to that. Like a 24-year-old Red Sox fan is probably like the worst person ever. You know, like they just they're just happy, you know, like and I'm just like, you don't even know. So, yeah. See, that just that, that reflects so poorly on both of us that your 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 counterpoint to this was like they were just so happy and you're like that's bad that's wrong touche our yeah. sports fandom is united by shared suffering not by shared success i think there's a little level of earned like earnedness to things yeah i think you kind of put your sweat equity in you know <laughs> i do believe in that a little bit and that to be clear there's also my rationalization for like 27 years of just sports sadness it's just like is that oh it's gonna pay off you know so don't mess with my formula I was just telling Brody uh, for our listeners before we started recording that I was driving on I-10 this morning in New Orleans, and if you're if you're driving, you know, towards Slidell through downtown, it was it was so weird and so cool that on my right was the Superdome, and on my left there was a billboard with Bengals stripes that said "Go Jamar G E A U X," and I was like, what what a weird world this is where <laughs> <laughs> local son Jamar Chase is playing in a Super Bowl for the Bengals and. More more people will probably care about it in Baton Rouge than have 
cared about a Super Bowl in a long time. That's so, so true. Anyway, no, hey, cool. I, I want to end by saying I'm, I'm mainly kidding. I actually love that in like a weird way, like the Bengals are somehow America's team, and I'm like, this is the most wild concept I've ever seen. Like, it's just like, in what world are the Bengals like everybody's favorite team to root for? That has never happened. So I, I love it. Thank you for the support. Let's, well, LC let's. Fans. I, I, I'm going to supplant the segue here, yes. where. The reason that they're so cool is because of two LSU grads. Yes. So, speaking of LSU football, the thing this podcast is about, uh, it's a big week for LSU football, is it not? We have National Signing Day, um, and for people of a certain age, it's still very weird that this is not a big day, really. It's a big day for LSU, but you know, if, if you grew up in, during a certain time, this signing day was everything. It was people took off of work. People went to parties or people uh, didn't take off of work, but had their computer open all day to Twitter and LSU sports.net waiting on faxes to come through. And with the early signing period now, it is kind of dulled it. But can you just give me a a brief rundown, Brody, of how big this day is for the LSU football program at this juncture? Yeah. And and I'll almost go bounce off what you're saying to an extent that, I mean, I agree that this has now been like lessened February to December, but I also think it kind of leads to like two different things that are very cool, if that makes sense. Like December, and granted, I have my own thoughts that we're not going to go down the path of, of, you know, like whether it early signing should be December. I actually think it should be in like August, but again, that's a whole different thing. But I like that it's like, all right, there's the one that's like, hey, this is the real signing. This is where we're really figuring out what these classes look like. These are where these guys are having their moment. But then I like that, like, then it leads to February being, like, this dramatic, like, buildup for a few handful of guys. And that actually kind of does give it the old, you know, old days, you know, vibe of, like, theatrics of, like, man, where is Harold Perkins going to go? Which, you know, segue. But, yeah, I, I think it kind of gives you two different things where you can hyper-focus on, on the February one while the December one you go a little big picture. But, yes. This is a very big Sunday for LSU. And I think the best way for me to put it is I don't know if it goes poorly or not even poorly. So like if they don't nail everything down, I don't think that changes drastically what I think of Brian Kelly. Like I don't think, you know, so they were inheriting this class. They were fighting from behind. This was always going to be more of a transfer class. Like I'm not going to hold it deeply against them. But I think what makes it such a big week is that if they do pull this off, and I'll get to the what in a second – all of a sudden you are talking about Brian Kelly a little differently. You are talking about this new era of LSU a little differently. I don't want to get over dramatic with it. I don't think it's like, holy crap, you know, they're going to win four titles. But it's a little bit of the biggest question about Brian Kelly is recruiting. And again, we're going to we're going to really dive into this throughout this episode. But and and how is he going to adapt to the South and all these things and whether it be staff hires or his own work in recruiting or, you know, just different things throughout or the entire program. Scott Woodward deserves credit too. They do seem like they are in position to have a really good week, including, and this is where we'll get to the what, obviously they have a good amount of spots open, and there are three main targets everyone's watching right now, right? They're uh, the Start with Louisiana guys. Five, four, I guess now he's more of a, a high four-star, but you know, top 50 overall recruit, Jacoby Matthews out of Ponchatoula, safety, linebacker kind of hybrid, big dude. That guy, you know, he is essentially a former LSU commit, decommitted right before the season, Looked like he was probably going to go elsewhere if he signed in December, but they got him to hold off. And now LSU, again, going to be a tough one, but they are at least in good position there. A lot of people around LSU feel solid about that. And there's 
and sorry, Chris, I'm, I'm going on here, but I'm giving the background. I want you to keep going. Then there's, you know, four-star running back Trevante Citizen out of Lake Charles, a guy who they think really highly of and a guy who, again, probably would have signed elsewhere if he signed in December. Everything was pointing that way. But Frank Wilson, Kelly, some uh, John Randall Bolton deserves credit. Belton deserves credit. Uh, you know, they were able to hold him off. And now he is. Now they are at least in a good good position, at least with with Citizen, you know, going into today, which would be another or Wednesday, which would be another huge win. And of course, the one that really would be the paradigm shifter a little bit here is five star, top ten overall recruit linebacker out of Houston area, Harold Perkins, which is you know one of the best players in the country. Period. And quite frankly, as much as I will always say Ed Ogeron is a good recruiter, Ed Ogeron didn't really win. And again, I'm not even going to get ahead of myself on Kelly because he hasn't won it. But I'm just saying, Ujron didn't really win the signing day decision out-of-state five-star battle that they're in on. They were in on a ton of them, and they tended to lose them. You know, I, I think back to, I don't know, um, you know, the uh, Corey, Corey Foreman last year. You know, there's just a lot of those where they were really in it. They did a good job, but they never quite landed those out-of-state. Eli Ricks was committed for two years. You know, that's a different thing. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that Terrell Perkins would be a just paradigm shifter because it would really change kind of how we view these things. And again, Ogeron staff also recruited Perkins. They get a ton of credit for that. Like, there's a lot of nuance we can get into here, you know. Shoot, Blake Baker, who was fired and now is at Mizzou, he was the main recruiter that actually had LSU in the pole position up until like November with Perkins. You know, it's complicated, but right. the point is, and a long answer, and there's other guys we're going to get to in a second. There's a lot of targets, but if they pull, find a way to land all three of these guys, and I actually, like, that is, that would shock me. Not anymore, but it would shock me a month ago, me. How about that? And I think it would just really change the way a lot of people, you know, view this program. And of course, I just left out the important context. Perkins was a Texas A&M commit, signed a Armour All American game last month, and decommitted last week. Then LSU got his final visit. He's originally from New Orleans, so his family was all there. And again, this is a tough one. No one's that confident about it, but LSU does seem to be in really good position there. I know some A&M staffers even kind of think, you know, LSU's in the front there. So. They, LSU has a chance to have a really great day. And I took that so many places, Chris, so you can take that where you may. It's okay. So I, I'm going to contextualize it a little bit. I, I think what we as fans, or me as fans, not you, um, obviously, is the floor is decently high. The floor of signing day is probably a top 20 class, which is not LSU's standard, but is also not bad when it, when you look at the timing of the hires and the timing of everything, it's just a transitional class. I mean, you're always going to expect a slight dip. Um, but LSU has a chance to, if they get these three guys and a few other guys that are on their list, they have a chance to have a top 10 class in a transitional year. And that doesn't even uh, factor in the transfers coming in that LSU has been very clearly in the transfer portal. So there is um you have to applaud the Kelly staff for really seems like they're busting their ass. Um, don't want to congratulate them yet on all this stuff oh, God, because yeah, we no. <laughs> there's no ink uh, on any paper yet. But at the they same time, they could lose all three. Like I want to be incredibly clear. Right. Like yeah, absolutely. But I I, I just think that it's uh, LSU fans that read up on this stuff probably weren't expecting a big class for this class because you know if you just. If you followed recruiting for more than two years, you understand that when a uh, a new staff comes in, and especially a, a staff overhaul of this kind, which is you know Brian Kelly 
fired most of the people in the building or, you know, moved on and brought in a lot of his own people, uh, that you would expect a dip and, you know, just to work through it and next year to be what you expect. But so I, I, I think we came in not expecting this to be a big class and all of a sudden, very quickly, it could be a huge class. It's tricky, right? Because it's still not going to be like exactly, you know, even if they land these guys, it's still probably only, I, I don't know, I'm not good at the numbers part, but like, you know, the 10 range, you know, like that's still a step back for LSU, but to win so many of these huge battles and yes. plug so many holes in the portal, you know, where you're kind of checking two boxes there. I think that's, and again, it's it's not even about the class itself. It's kind of about what it signifies, right? And again, this is all hypothetical, but it's like, if he actually can keep these two guys that were high, like hotly contested, you know, Louisiana recruits, if you can keep them, yes, that just goes a long way. I, it's going to win. It's going to win people over is a better way to put it. Then if you win Perkins, yes, you are now overachieving. You are now like surprising mm-hmm. people because, you know, Louisiana. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah, like, no, I'm with you. Yeah. So I, I just think it's pretty cool that there's a chance. I'm not letting myself get too ahead because re- recruiting is so fickle and, you know, <laughs> four years from now, we might be looking back at this being like e- either A, why did we care? Or B, it was, uh, you know, <laughs> the start of a dynasty or these guys were busts or they're beating us all the time. So well, recruiting is, is a crapshoot in a lot of ways. But Brian Kelly has a really good chance to prove himself very early without even getting a win on the field. And I think that's that's a huge deal. No, I think well put. And I think. I think it's almost like it's tricky, right? Because I I don't think any of us want to like delusionally sit here and and just be like Brian Kelly is an elite recruiter. Told you guys, you know, like no, I don't think that. I actually I think Brian Kelly is a good recruiter. Actually, when Brian Kelly recruits, everything I ever heard from Notre Dame people is he is a good recruiter. He just doesn't necessarily. That's not like his lifeblood. You know, he doesn't really put his heart into it. Mm -hmm. And I don't really think he's done a good job. Especially I've heard some good things to what he's done with Jacoby Matthews. I know he's done work with Perkins. He went in home with them. Done some good work with Citizen. Like. I am not. I am neither removing credit from from Brian Kelly and also saying the win here. It's not even about like Brian Kelly did this. It's he showed he knows how to play ball. Like as the, is my best way to put it in terms of let's say hypothetically he pulls this off or two of the three or whatever. It just shows he knew. Okay, he's going to this area. He's never been right. Everyone's concerned. How is he going to fit down there? How is he going to do? He hired his staff that would like you know Frank Wilson is obviously the guy I think we're going to talk about in a second. You know you were able to hire Frank Wilson. You were able to hire Cortez Hankton. A lot of guys who you know who have Joe Sloan guys who have deep Louisiana ties who who know how to recruit that area. You got you got a staff. You know a personnel staff. He reshuffled a good bit of that personnel staff. You know and some of this credit again goes to Scott Woodward and his administration. But you know they put something around him that can at least for now, looks like it can actually play ball and compete in SEC recruiting battles. So that that is just, it's about that signifier. It's about showing the number one question might be put at ease. So I think that's the the best way to kind of frame it. Because I don't think he's, yeah, coming in here being, I don't know, like a, you know, Urban Meyer, right? He's one of the best recruiters ever. I'll use him. Like he's, I'm not saying Brian Kelly's coming down here and being Urban Meyer. I think he's just showing he knows how to run a program that can adapt, I guess would be a good way to put it. Well, I think going to McNeese State and prying away its head coach, who is known as one of the godfathers of Louisiana recruiting, was maybe his smartest move so far. Um, you know, I mentioned this last podcast, but it's it's so funny to see all of these guys that LSU is getting to commit in the portal 
And then it's like Brian Kelly's, you know, cleaning up and recruiting. And then 80% of these guys, I'm going to their bio pages and uh, hometown is somewhere in Louisiana. And I'm like, feels like a Frank Wilson. Feels like <laughs> this Louisiana staff that he is uh, hired is really, I mean, it's, it's just so smart. And it, it makes me feel a lot better about this quote unquote outsider coming in. Uh, and I mean, it's really encouraging to me as a fan. The ed- my educated homer take is that I, I I feel at ease already. I mean, I'm I'm excited for games to start. I'm excited for spring practice to start. But um, just seems like there's a level of stability and confidence already that uh, makes me happy. No, I I think you can't under overvalue the Frank the Frank Wilson hire. You know, I I, I and we've talked about it. We've done it on this podcast, but just. You know, and actually, and I don't want to take it's so recruiting is so exhausting for me, and I'll never pretend I know it even a tenth as much as some of those recruiting experts, you know, around the country. But it's so exhausting to me because the credit thing, you know, is so tricky, right? Like Brian Poling is the recruiting coordinator, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for a lot of this. And I think he deserves a ton of credit for everything happening in the portal right now. You know, I think he's doing a good job with that. And, but, and, you know, I think a lot of these position coaches aren't going to get the credit necessarily, but I think they've done a good job in these recruitments. But, but Frank Wilson, there's no doubt about it. When you look at Perkins, I've heard, you know, he was an essential part of kind of turning things around again there. You look at Matthews, man, he has done a lot of work with Jacoby Matthews. And obviously, shoot, the running back, Trevante Citizen, obviously he did a ton of work there. So, and by the way, those aren't the only ones. Those are just the big three we're talking about. Yeah, I I, I just think, and what's going to be fascinating, and you can't get ahead of yourself, like I'm predicting something. I don't think else, I don't even ever really envision LSU landing number one classes under Kelly, but it's just the idea that I do think what's going to happen next year, you know, 2023, 2024, when... Kelly, Frank Wilson, Polian, you know, the, this entire staff, you know, Hankton's there for a full year, all this, that stuff. What can they do with a full class? So it just, what might happen tomorrow might change my optimism for LSU about that, I guess might be a, a good way to phrase that. So I, I am fascinated because Frank Wilson is just going to be so important. And, and it's not even just the recruiting part. It's also, he is kind of that, you know, that strong, you know, figure for so many people in that program. That's what he used to be when he was here. You know, all these young coaches, stuff like that. So, yeah, was, that's the higher of the cycle for me, and it's not even close. So, yeah, I, I think he's putting them in a good position. And, again, if they can pull it off, we're talking about this program very differently. I'm just going to keep repeating that. I would like to move on to other people on this list for a two-pronged conversation here. Uh, tight end Danny Lewis from Westgate, Louisiana. Um, he was a Cincinnati commit, as you wrote, yeah. and you know committed to play for Mike Denbrock, who is now LSU's offensive coordinator. I think he would be a good get. Seems like a good player. The most important thing I want to talk about here is the Brian Kelly dancing saga that has <laughs> somehow become a meme uh, across the internet uh, in a lot of ways that people are making fun of him. And I'm just like, I've, I've gone full circle in this where I'm just like, I, I thrive off the hate and I hope Brian does too, because he looks to me, he looks like an awkward dad. Absolutely. Who is, he is an awkward He dad. does not care. He He's going to wear his baggy pants, lace up those new balances. He's going to dance in his kids, TikTok videos because he loves his kids. He's going to embarrass himself on the internet and he doesn't give a shit. And because all these recruits are doing it. I mean, if, if, if he pulls off these recruiting polls, like I, I, I do not care how awkward he looks, how much it doesn't fit with LSU's cool vibe the last decade or so. I don't care. And people being like, I can't believe LSU got this guy to coach. It's like, who gives a shit? 
win a game. Like, if Brian Kelly wins 10 games next year, I think it would be a monumental feat. And I hope he dances every single day to a new video with a new recruit. Like, I just, I'm so tired of the whole, like, the narratives of, like, I can't believe they hired the square to coach LSU. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't know. He's a really good coach. Let, let him look awkward. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to use those dance videos every, t- every time somebody scores. So just give me all the dance videos and all the recruits. And I, I, I just think this whole narrative is very dumb, but that's, that's just me. Well, yeah, I think the way I always lead off with it, and we've done this rant before, but it's just like, yes, by the way, it should be made fun of, right? Like have fun making fun of it. He does look like a dork. I don't care. I mean, yeah, like I'm not going to tweet about it. I have to cover him, but like, yeah, it's a little bit like he's a, like, he looks like a goon. Like, yeah. But I think, you know, the prism of which we view it is important, right? Like the context of it, the like, who's tweeting these videos out? It's a recruit who thinks this is awesome. You know what I'm saying? Like it's Walker Howard and it's Danny Lewis. Like, and again, I also think there's a large percentage of people who think Brian Kelly is like, I'm going to get on this, this circle thing with you. I pretty, I feel almost a hundred percent sure that is not what is happening. I do not think Brian Kelly is like, watch this. I'm going to go dance with that guy. It's Walker Howard, especially. I know for sure. Like Walker Howard being like, come on, coach, get on here, dance with me. And I'm sure Danny Lewis was the same thing. And Brian Kelly. And after the Walker Howard one, it blew up and as much people making fun of it. People also, I think for these recruits like that, ah, that's hilarious. That's awesome. And yeah, you were making fun of it, but in a way that, and now I think they're leaning into it. It is obvious now they're making yeah. of it. all the assistant coaches from Frank Wilson. Uh, I know he tweeted something. I'm, I am blanking, but I know I saw at least two other coach uh, assistants tweet about it. You know, they, I think you are now leaning into it. Then you saw the the gritty video and stuff like that. Where you're realizing, ha ha, everyone's talking about <laughs> it. And, yeah. and the gritty video is incredible. And I think it's a I love it so much. It's not a bad thing. Like it's actually like showing, like, oh shoot, he's willing to do all this. That's the number one question. He's trying. Yeah, he's willing to make him himself look like a fool. Then, yeah, exactly. So I mean I don't if, think imagine it's bad. if he came in and was like, I'm not gonna do any of that. I'm gonna sit in my tower and <laughs> yell at people and crunch numbers. Like he is he's he's willing to make himself look like a fool for us. Yes. And I love it. I no, love it. hundred percent. Give me all of it. Yeah. So I mean again, like I'm not like trying to like defend him. He doesn't need that, nor do I care really. It's more just like I think the tone is a little weird because it's like it's because it's normally rival fan bases who just kinda are like, let's you know, or Lane Kiffin tweeting, right? You know, it's just they have an incentive to be like, look at this joke. But I, I think really it's like they're kind of missing where the goalpost is, I guess, is the best way. Like, I, I my yes. brain's seeing it. So, yeah, I think it's funny. And it's like, hey, if he'd land Danny Lewis. By the way, they might not. Danny, Danny Lewis is, it sounds like it's a real battle with them in Alabama and Florida, too. But, I mean, that's tough. Like, when you went in on Danny Lewis, you were kind of the only major SC offer. Now you are one of the, you know, you are fighting the best teams in the country. So, that's a tough one now. But Westgate guy, Denbrock relationship. Yeah, you have a good chance. If you don't get him, I think also he's going to live. You know that. I mean, but but yeah. still, you know, I, I if he lands them, it's, everyone's going to be like, oh, is the dancing a problem? So I guess let, let's scroll back a little bit, because now, like, you know, I'm tomorrow is going to be an anti day for all of us, all, all of us LSU fans. Um, what, do you have a sense of what coaches inside the program are feeling right now about tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I go back to kind of what I say with the, the others. You know, I, I do think. 
they think they are in at least good position with all three of those, you know, big guys, you know, with, you know, Perkins, Matthews and Citizen. And, and the you know, I think Caleb Douglas, another receiver we should mention. I don't know if that's going to happen as of now or another one that's just kind of, you know, I'd say um, tricky is I don't really have a good read because, you know, there are better recruiting experts than me, but. I don't have a good sense on Jalen Davis Robinson, you know, the corner from uh, from Texas also, you know, but he'd be somebody who had some depth there. I don't know how they feel about those guys, but I do think there is just such a strong focus of these, you know, those top tier guys because how much that would change things. And also it helped their team like Perkins, like linebacker is an issue for all you kind of looking forward big picture. And if you can land a guy like Perkins, that just changes things like we're talking so much about the recruiting implications. And it's like, no, Perkins is also just a star. So that's. That's huge. And, you know, and, I, and to bounce off kind of your question, I talked to one person, who, and I think I said this to you last podcast too, but, you know, someone on the recruiting side and you saying like, yeah, I was talking to Coach Kelly and we were kind of laughing because they were like, not laughing, but they were kind of saying at the end of the December signing period, they're like, yeah, we only got 13 guys but or 12 guys. I forget which. But if these are the 12 or 13 you, we signed when, you know, we have. It's, it's 13. Thank you. Yeah. When we have two weeks, you know, wait till you give us a year. And that was kind of their. You know, that's kind of what I heard Kelly said. He's like, wait till you give us a year if this is because he's a, they like those guys. Those are the guys they wanted. There's some others that left that class that I think they actually feel like they they're happy. I mean, that's always a spin zone thing you have to be careful with. But, you know, I think like they're happier right. with Landon Ibietta than they were with uh, with the coldest Crawford. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, I think, the best mm-hmm. example mm-hmm. off the top of my head. So I think they like the guys they have. They, they, they are on a mission. And we talked this at length with the portal stuff, right? With like getting the right guys, the character guys, all that stuff. Guys who are going to be part of a rebuild because you're not trying to just win right away. You know, I, I do think they feel good about that. And then if you do this, all of a sudden it changes how you view it. And, you know, 11 and 11 record aside, I, I, there's still a damn good roster that's been here in, in Baton Rouge. So, um, damn good. Things are filling up. There, there is some tangential breaking news. Uh, that I was going to say, I'm like, when do I interrupt you and tell you? <laughs> about Caleb Williams? Yes. Yeah, going to USC. Uh, nobody should be surprised. Uh, but there, you know, there was like, I feel like this was, this happens all the time on the internet when, when there is an absence of news or when when something is expected to happen in a certain time frame and it doesn't, then, you know, your mind just wanders to fill the void. And there was like a solid three-day stretch where it was like, is Caleb Williams going to come to LSU? And it was like, there was never any shred of reporting saying that he was even considering it. I mean, I think the only credible reporting I saw was that he was considering Wisconsin, which kind of blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, blew my mind. I mean, well. I even saw like, I even saw tweets from there that he was like negotiating NIL deals there with like local lawyers. Uh, I don't know, but like, (laughs) which, which like, it's crazy that it's part of the deal now, but it is. Um, But anyway, Caleb Williams is not coming to LSU. Miles Brennan will probably be your quarterback next year. I think that would have been an extra kick in the teeth. Poor miles who would not deserve to have a, a, a transfer supplantum once again, even if Caleb Williams is, the presumptive Heisman winner next year. So um, anyway, we can we can stop thinking that that's a thing. He's going to USC. Everything will be fine. I was um, rooting for the Wisconsin story, man. I knew I didn't. I didn't know if I ever believed it, but I was just rooting for it. I'm like, that is the chaos we literally need. And also, that would be the it greatest. It would be the greatest fu to all the people who are like NIL is ruining sports. Which, by the way, who knows if it is? I don't have a strong opinion there. But I'm like, if Wisconsin steals the quarterback from USC, I don't think NIL is bad. That's awesome. But either way. Yeah, no, he's, uh, which, 
All right. Well, we, we can at least put that to rest. Uh, shout out to Miles Brennan. You're, you take a deep breath. You're going to be good. <laughs> well, I think he's um, supposed to beat out Nussmeier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's, okay. That's a good segue. Uh, so LSU has not announced the spring schedule as far as I know. And that, that should come out sometime in the next couple weeks. Definitely. Next yeah. week or so. I know, I know last year, you know, spring practice started around like mid March. Uh, spring game was sometime in April. So I think there's always, I think there's always a little bit of strategy involved with Mardi Gras. That's always like a little bit factored in. Um, so I think Mardi Gras is March 1st this year. Is that correct? Mardi Gras Mm -hmm. day. So yeah, Yeah. I mean, I feel decent saying it's maybe, I don't know, the week after that. You know, I I think usually mid early, like the earlier March, usually the better for LSU just because the weather perspective. So, I would assume, you know, early mid-March and the mid-April sp- um, spring game is kind of usually the norm for them. Yeah, well, I well, I think, you know, we talked about this a little before, but I think we should start uh, a nice little set schedule here for our podcast. I, I, I know we're going to record after signing day, yes. so you'll probably get another podcast from us on Thursday. Um, but going forward, I think we should once a week maybe preview a position, talk about news, and maybe even get on some guests. What do you think about that, Brody? I think that's a great idea. I think we can have a lot of good guests on. I I, I know my uh, my ask for you guys to tweet me is normally like emotional things, but on a, on a real topic, tell me who you want to hear. I mean, you know, inside the athletic, outside the athletic, yeah. we're, we we want to interview everybody, and uh, we we want to give you guys the people you want to hear besides us, of course. So um, I don't think Edelstrom's going to come on, um, but you know, other than that, yeah, we'll never try. say never. Edelstrom's never been media shy. Never say never. Maybe that's a year down the road. I I, I bet he's taking an LSU sabbatical right now. I would um, think so. Any anyway, just let us know who you want to hear. Uh, we want to we want to diversify a little bit and we want to spread our wings in the off season. So uh, hit us up, uh, Brody. Do you have anything else? Um, who day? Who day? I think we're all who day. Well, unless you're, uh, I, I know I know my girlfriend got mad that they stole the who dat domain of who day. So maybe some people don't want to say who day. I don't know. New Orleans people. Yeah, I mean, one team is in the Super Bowl and one team is not, and. Um, the team that is not I love with all my heart and I'm still fine with people saying who day because they deserve it right now. So it's all good. Thanks buddy. Um, well, until next time and uh, we'll, we'll talk after Brian Kelly conquers the recruiting world, right? <laughs> we'll see. It'll, we'll, we'll, you'll either have a very positive tone on Thursday or a very sad one. We will see. All right. See you guys. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.